This is the St. Louis Podcast Network. You're listening to the Last Man Up Podcast, part of the St. Louis Podcast Network, stlpodcast.com, Mad Burger, Clay Byersdorfer, and Andy Hanselman alongside. Wherever you're listening to us, whenever you are listening to us, we hope you are well. I did hear this song on a, one of those um, food delivery commercials. That's, that's where I saw it too. Yeah, what, it was. What was the service? It was okay. It's, it's like, like, like HelloFresh or Blue Apron. Blue Apron. But it's, I, I forgot the name of it. Yeah, but they use that exact same song. The exact same. They're stealing our thunder. They are. They're trying to they ride heard? the coattails of the Last Man Up podcast. I mean, who great isn't? success. I mean, really, who isn't? We're <laughs> becoming a larger and larger brand that's, every day. That's what it is. Yeah. Huge uh, brand. Joining us on the phone later will be Kurt Rowe. He's the executive director of the Metropolitan Amateur Golf Association to talk about the U.S. Open. And then Lindsay Eversmeyer. She is the general manager and owner of the Fire and Ice Soccer Club, defending champions of the 2017 WPSL National Champions. Wow, she'll be joining us wow. in the third segment. Yeah, Lindsay's uh, she's good people. I had her I had her, both her and Kurt on uh, when I was on that five ninety show and the heavy hitters and the nine other radio shows that I <laughs> had in the past four years. Had a little bit of a of a reunion last night at yeah. Rookies in Wentzville with the TalkSTL.com clan. So. Mm. Tom West and Joe De Niro and good, good group of people. Oh yeah, uh, I, Tom West has always been like my radio big brother. Mm. Um, he was our producer and like board op when we were at Talk STL. Uh, when I mean uh, we, me and the uh, heavy hitters featuring Burger, Buffa, go. and Blair. There we go. <laughs> but not that show. It was called the Sports Junkies. And it was me and Jason Hine and Terry Moore. Yeah, I remember. Oh, thank you. I um, remember. I have, I have still have a lot of people ask me when, when I'm bringing those guys back. And those two, last night, they have not missed one beat. They argued probably the entire night. Like, <laughs> I mean, like the way guys argue about sports. Not yeah. like, you know, intense arguing. Right. Everybody was just sitting there and just looking at them and laughing and smiling because they were like, yep, those two haven't missed a beat. I'm like, if I didn't stop them, they'd be arguing until the last call about LeBron versus Jordan and different different various sports topics. And then Tom West would turn around and throw the grenade of Johnny Manziel's going to throw 2,000 touchdown <laughs> passes because that was another topic that those two could go off on. And I'm like, and now they'll be here until dawn. <laughs> if, we wow. would, if we would let them go, those two would argue about that until dawn. It sounds like some people we need to bring on for sure. Oh, yeah. The, I mean, De Niro, for sure. De Niro, for sure. Uh, Tom West, like I said, he's always been kind of like my radio big brother. He's given me a lot of great advice. When it comes to the business, him and uh, Scott Gurkett and Joe De Niro and Tim McKernan and J.C. Corcoran, all those guys have all given me just really great advice and have been very encouraging about uh, my endeavors in this really horrible industry. <laughs> they, all told you, they all told you to get out, didn't they? <laughs> yes, they did. They, yeah. they all kind of have. Uh, J.C. Uh, Corcoran was really funny because... Uh, Dave Rapp and I replaced him in the morning on 590 when they officially relaunched it and went all sports. And, um, and he was cool about it. You know, I mean, JC's, you know, a, a, you know, a pretty big player when it comes to radio, especially sure. here in St. Louis. And he was being replaced by me and Dave Rapp. And for the most part, he and I were kind of novices and he was very encouraging about it. And then when I was replaced by Dino Costa, 
Um, heck of a name. Heck of a name. Even though his real name is Dan Patrick, he's a he's a fake Italian. <laughs> um, JC's like, hey, he sent me a message on Facebook. He's like, hey, call me. So I called him, and he's like, well, you had six weeks, Matthew. I mean, what do you want? <laughs> what more do you want? <laughs> he was uh, he was really cool about it. So it was fun last night. I know you had fun last night. You are looking like something that the cat dragged in. You're bleary eyed. You're wearing a Texas Rangers t shirt of all things. And just, and just, and just so we just just to note, it's not like nine in the morning. No, no it and, is. Seven o'clock at night. Seven o'clock at night. The day after uh, Mr. Byersdorfer's huge night out. And you, I, and you were best man last night at a wedding reception. No, I was correct? in. The, I was. I was in the groomsman. It was in. I was in the groomsman. Yes. Okay. So you were not a. You were not, I the, was best not man. the best man. I no. got you. Okay. Did the DJ play Africa? Yes. You know this is going to sound really pathetic, but I don't even remember. You got that tore up. Oh uh, man! I was wow. Tell, uh, Big I was, night. I was telling Hanselman before that we started about nine thirty, ten o'clock yesterday morning. Oh, that's a long day. And then. Um, it was out at Old Hickory. Was the uh, reception? Okay. The actual wedding was in Cottle Cottlesville. Cottleville. Cott- one, one Cottle. Cottleville. That's out by me. Then just a mess of a town. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so the wedding was out there. We had the reception at Old Hickory, which is a beautiful course and venue. Yes. Out, out there. Um, and then we stayed at that Drury Inn off Middle Rivers Drive there. So it was uh, it so was you, a heck of a day. So you were out by me. I could have crashed that wedding reception, man. You should have sent a text saying, there, hey, man. There's a chance I could have seen you yesterday, and I wouldn't even remember. <laughs> I tell people all the time that when, when I'm DJing a wedding, say, hey, come on, crash it. People are like, I'm not going to do that. I'm like, believe me, it'll be okay. <laughs> Yeah, no one's really going to care. At no certain really points in the evening, people just give up trying. Yeah, exactly. they just, they're just like, well, at that point, they're usually kind of have had enough booze in them. They're just oh, yeah. like, yeah, come on. I mean, don't don't come in looking like a slob. Come in looking like you belong there. Yeah. Right. Suit up. Or yeah. maybe oh well, I mean, depending on what okay. time the night is, so, I'm like I'm not going to show up in a suit at ten o'clock. Well, so. maybe a shirt and tie. So speaking of which, I had a real beef with this guy yesterday. Um, he showed up to not only the wedding. But the reception in jeans and like uh, just a button up. Yeah, to a you, wedding. Don't, you don't do that. To a wedding. Okay. And he well, was an invited guest. It t- to me, it depends on. But there's always one. Well, to me, it, always, it to me it depends on the wedding, because I was at a wedding reception last weekend, and I didn't wasn't invited to the wedding. And the wedding reception, this the invite I got was a Facebook invite. It wasn't even anything in that's the mail. Good, that's a good start. So I'm like, okay. And it was at a bar in O'Fallon, too. It wasn't like at a reception okay. hall, like at Elks Hall you or anything like that. You don't shoot up for that one. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, it's someone that's two people I work with, so there's going to be some work people there. There yeah. may be, it might be a target-rich environment, <laughs> to quote Maverick and Goose from Top right. Gun. Yeah. Yep. Do I suit this thing up, or what do I do? If you ever or do, or do I do, suit up. It's an automatic. If or, you have a chance to wear a suit, wear a suit. Or do I do like, you know... Like a T-shirt and then like the no. suit jacket and jeans, no. or do I do a button-up the suit jacket and jeans? You look like you're from L.A. or New York. Yeah, <laughs> why <say>. not? <laughs> so I I ended up going with just a black button, a short sleeve back, uh, black button-up jeans and like black shoes, and I was kind of like overdressed oh, <laughs> at this wedding my. reception. Oh my god! Oh yeah, there were people there, and not only were they there in shorts and flip flops and like a collared shirt, but like backwards baseball caps and. And stuff like that. So if, if I had gone in with the suit, yep. I would have been way overdressed. There's always one guy. I did, and who, the thing and, of it was, like, I'm I'm fully aware of, like, you know what? There are some people who are just down on their luck and maybe can't afford. And I, like, that's fine. But yeah. this guy pulled up in an Audi, got out, put these, like, 
goose looking shades on or these maverick looking shades okay and he got, so he's got some, some of those he's got like cash like uh affliction jeans with the rhinestones on the back and like oh, a button. That and guy. i was just oh, like wow, oh he's man. that guy. what are we doing is, is he, he doing? Is, is he midlife crisis guy i don't even know i, I, even know. I bet i would have liked to have asked him if he has a boat down the lake of the ozarks and i if i had been <laughs> oh, there's, there's, that, there's a yes i would have i would have asked him that. the answer is yes the real question is how big is the boat how do you big have is the boat down down the lake of the ozarks how old was your ex-girlfriend I guarantee it's not a twenty-five footer, a twenty-five foot pontoon boat. How oh, no. how how old would you say this guy was? I'm gonna guess uh, forty-five. No, like maybe late thirties. Okay, so you know a lot of bronzer. Yeah, it was just a lot. It was a lot Sp- going it on. Sounds like Sp- spiked hair. And, it sounds uh, like Joshua was at the running reception. <laughs> Remember Joshua? Yeah, the Joshua. guy, the guy who sings the songs that he, he who's being pushed by uh, Jaquan. Oh God! Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. So, Joshua. sounds like you had an interesting night then. I had an interesting night. Uh, How, was it? A, was it a target-rich environment? It was an interesting environment. Well, not really. No, because all the bridesmaids were married and everything. And it's like that's fine. Okay, yeah. but like even the like, I've always said that wedding receptions are terrible places to meet women. They are. Just, and everybody thinks like, no, it's a. I'm like, no, they're no, terrible. They're awful. they're awful. They're an awful place to meet women. See, I'm in that age, like you know, late twenties, where everyone's getting married or freshly yes, married. You are. They're very right. into like, oh my god, love and eternal everything, and it's just not a good time to do that for, you, in my life. <laughs> you are, uh, yeah, you're you're 28. 28. Yeah. Okay, between like now and the next five or six years, you're going to be in and attending so many weddings. I'm in so three in the next calendar year yeah in the next there, 10 to 11 months there was yeah there was one year i was in three different weddings <sighs> see and it's different for guys than it is for girls because girls have to go out and buy those stupid dresses yeah and they're specially dyed shoes and get their hair did and the makeup and, and all the that. makeup and yeah. all the shit that goes oh sorry i'll edit that out. So we, have, <laughs> no, you we, can, we might have we, shit, we no. might have we might have someone <laughs> listening to the program that we're, we're trying to impress um but and so i've had Friends at or girls ask me, can I say no? I said, you absolutely can say yeah. no. Yeah. But then there's like, like me, there's no way I could say, I've known this guy for 25 plus years. Like, oh, sure. And, yeah. I, and the three there's, weddings I'm in, I've known them 20 plus years. Like, if I, I say no, I'm I have, going to hell. I, I have never said no when someone's asking me to be in a wedding. I've yeah. never, I, I have never said no, but I'm to the point where people have like told me, like, it's, Co-workers yeah. that I, I kind of sort of know, right? And I'm like, okay, you're like just because we work together, you don't feel obligated that you have to invite me to the <clears> wedding <throat> if there's relatives that you'd rather have there or friends. Mm. I go, look, I will not be offended. In fact, thank you for not inviting <laughs> me to your wedding. It's one less expense. One less expense. Ugh. Exactly. And um, oh, I was going to say something. I forgot what it was now. Carry on. <laughs> Yeah, needless to say, it was a really good time. Happy good. for uh, Nick and Sometimes Emily. wedding receptions, when they're done right and you're in the wedding, you can have a lot of fun. It, it was a blast. And the good thing about my age, too, is like people are still very much willing to get drunk and dance. Yes. and then But then you have that crowd where it's like, okay, now they have one- and two-year-old children, so they do the cute like little dances. with. So there are some pros to being in this psych, you know, cyclical nature of weddings. I was the master, because I, I was the best man in two weddings, so I guess I call myself the master, <laughs> of getting the father of the groom to pay for my tuxedo really <laughs> happened both times how'd you work that hustle asked you just asked well, and you go with the philosophy of that the answer is always no until you ask pretty much true interesting pretty much what's the worst that's gonna happen no go buy your own tuxedo yeah. okay yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, you know what? One thing is is that all this wedding and wedding reception talk is so much more interesting than what the Cardinals actually are. Ugh. Um, they've been. I mean, we've let off two straight shows with wedding talk. <laughs> yes, we have. What's that say? We I should... mean, it sounds like we're very popular people. <laughs> we are. <laughs> I mean, pretty much. Burger, which one? Whose wedding are you going to next week? Uh, I don't have any weddings to go to. I think oh, okay. I just had that wedding reception last weekend, and I don't think I have any other weddings on the horizon that I can think of. Doing one July seventh outside. Oh no, not happening. I got one in August, I got one in October, two in October, and then I have one in May of next year. Almost all of my <laughs> friends are married or they're like me and have, have put the, their hand on uh, the right hand on the Bachelor Bible and have sworn an oath. Um, and all, I, all my relatives are married. Yeah. So, yeah, I can't think of any other weddings that I would have to go to in the future. And I'm to the point, I mean, I'm 41 years old. I'm to the point where I've got friends that are like on their second, sometimes I was even just gonna ask. second, and sometimes even oh yeah, and, so, and sometimes even third marriages, and they are like yeah, you know they they just either go to Vegas or they go get married on the beach, mm-hmm. and I'm not close enough where I'm going to get invited to uh, the destination wedding. I will have one I have to go to next year in Philadelphia for my buddy Seth. Um, and that's going to be like his first and probably only one and <laughs> probably only one, <laughs> probably only one. I mean, he did say he was going to invite me, but who knows? I've only, he's one of those guys that I was in a wedding with him 10 years ago. Okay. And we've been kind of like friends ever since. And I've only seen him in real life a handful of times. Oh, okay. But like, we're, we're one of those like online friends. Yeah. And we're in the same, we're in a fancy football league. We okay. Call, we, we call the fancy football league, the United Nations of fancy football leagues because everybody is like from a different background and lives in a different part of the country. Is is that like the minimum requirement? What you said had me think, what's like the minimum requirement to get a wedding invite, an appropriate amount? Well, of- I mean, sometimes it's strange because there's been some people that um, I've known for a long time and I was stunned that I wasn't invited right. to the wedding. I right. mean, I wasn't hurt. I was just a little surprised. Yeah. And there's some people that I don't really know all that well and, and get I get invited, invited to. to their wedding and yeah. I'm like, I go, okay. Yeah. I mean, thank you. I'm, I'm glad. I'm, I'm flattered. But I, I, I was surprised by it. There's another wedding re- that I might be invited to uh, next year. It's going to be one of those destination ones. This, this girl I work with. Um, and she's like, well, you know, I, I, you know, if you can't make it, I understand, but I am going to invite you. And I'm like, well, I mean, <laughs> depends on the, on the financial that means situation. That you have to buy her a gift. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know if that's going to happen. <laughs> Boy, the Cardinals sure are bad, though. Can they, can they, <laughs> can they win awkward, the Awkward pivot here. Can awkward they win pivot. the game of the world tonight? Uh no, probably no, not. They're awful in games of the world. Uh, they they've struggled with the last place Marlins, struggled against the last place uh, Padres, and are on the verge of being swept uh, by the Cubs. And now you got games looming against the first place Brewers, the first place Braves, and up becoming Phillies team and the first place Indians. Those are the next series coming up after tonight. Uh, we are going to learn a lot about this Cardinals team over the next two weeks, over yep. the next four series. Um, I think that this team, I think we kind of said at the very beginning of the year, it looks a lot like the teams from the last two years. Yep. They are going to be good enough to linger around like a stale fart and be very competitive, which is now the Cardinals' favorite word. The top, the upper management is no longer about winning the World Series. It's just being it's in the hunt. In the hunt and being very competitive. That's the offers that they make to uh, pending free agents. We thought, the, we thought the offer was very competitive. We thought our team last year was very competitive. That's their new thing. We are now the St. Louis very competitives. <laughs> the team isn't going to be bad enough to where they're just going to say bleep it and blow it, the whole thing up and start trading people, but... It's, I mean, they're not going to make a big move that's going to put them over the top because they're too scared to do it. I don't yeah. blame them for being scared to do it. 
every we, we talked about it on the show before every big contract that you see come out for there be for i don't care who it is they blow up on their face. Well, they don't even have to do a big contract, but I mean, they're they're not going to make. But you also not you also don't have to you don't have to trade away the trade away the world. They're not for, gonna, the, for the for the Manny Machados, they're, and they're not going to do that. But the thing is, is that what they're doing now isn't working. How yeah. they've been doing it isn't working. Mm-hmm. It isn't working. So what are you going to do then? Because I'm how, tired how, of this <laughs> little league manager and that bow tie in the front office. Well, okay, that's a whole another separate topic of discussion. I think they're never going to fire Mike Matheny to his contract up. But especially midseason. Especially no, midseason. Mid-season. Never yeah. going to happen. But it doesn't mean that they can't make wholesale changes. And I think they need to get rid of John Mabry. He should have gone last year. Yep. H- how he still has his job, I'll never know. The offense is still bad. It's just as bad as it was last year. And John, uh, the, the pitching staff was good. Yep. So you get rid of Derek Lilquist and you bring in uh, Mike Maddox, who's mm. not a bad pitching coach. No. He's not bad. And the starting pitching has been the kind best. of like the highlight right. of, of the Cardinals so far this year. Yeah. Um, but the hitting has been god-awful. And how John Mabry has held on to his job, I'll never know. I know he's best friends with Mike Matheny, right. but, I mean, this isn't the I same I think that's lot. what it is. That, that has to be what it is, but this isn't the same lot. Eventually... Uh, Gersh and um, Mosellock are going to have to step Bowtie. They're going to have to step <laughs> in and say, "Listen, you know, either he goes or you both go." Yeah, I was, you, you you decide what you want. We were having this conversation drunkenly last night. At there's Old always Hick- a good one to have. Yeah, uh, at Old Hickory, and the question got posed is, when do you really start holding people accountable as opposed to just saying, "Well, they'll get there," or you know, they have a lot of potential. But at what point do we just saying like, "No, you didn't execute," you know? Point A, you're fired or you're released or you're traded. It it seems like the Cardinals just live in that kind of gray area or middle ground, you know, a, a lot of times with a lot of different things. And they just, I think they're they're hearing the same thing. They're hearing the same voice over and over again. Yeah. And the players are tuning it out. Right. They're tuning it out. Either yeah. they're 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 either tuning out Matheny or they're tuning out Maber. They're tuning out both. Yeah. And I thought Jose Okendo was going to be the savior and he was going to solve all the fielding problems and the base running issues. It's better. It's better. Yeah. Okay, but it's still not great. It's not great. It's still not great. But it's also not 100% on him either. We have some really no. individual poor base. Runners. So, okay, that's what I was going to say. Either, Carpenter. <laughs> either Okendo is not the savior that many people made him out to be, or the Cardinals just have bad players that are or players that are bad at base running and bad at fielding, or the manager isn't holding the players accountable. It's got to be one There's of those There's a reason things. why Matt Carpenter was the tw- uh, drafted in, in the 26th round mm-hmm. of the of the entry draft because he's probably bad at base running and fielding. Yes, He's 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 good at hitting leadoff, and that's it. That's the only thing that he can do. And he's not even really. I mean, he's he's come on. Yes, but he he doesn't even do that great, in my opinion. No, I mean he's not a move the needle player, and that's for he's me not. is just the Cardinals, never has been. The Cardinals don't have any move the needle. I mean, Ozuna's really picked it up, and that's you gotta like to see that if you're front office. But they don't have too many other guys that really move that needle. It, it seems like Tommy Pham hasn't been the same either since they moved him out of leadoff. I'd say that's probably. Accurate. I would say so. I, I think given his, given his personality too. I mean, I'm going to disagree. Like, <laughs> I think you're wrong. I want to yell him, get mad well, about and, things. Uh, we need to give a round of applause. Way, way to go, Bfib! You have successfully driven Derek Fowler and his wife oh, off, Twitter. off Twitter. Yeah. So congratulations. I hope you all feel good about oh, Dex how Dex is gone. Yeah, they're Dex. Both, they're they're, they're both gone. yeah. They both dropped their Twitter handles. Um, I would imagine they just got tired of hearing from the B-Fibs about how, you know, Dex doesn't hustle and he's lazy. And if, if I had to guess, not saying this is 100% certain, I'm just saying if I had to guess, there might have been a couple of tweets out there with words that rhyme with chigger. 
I if I had to guess, I didn't see that. But and I didn't sure, see it. But I, if I had to guess, I can't imagine that happening in St. Louis. And I'm, you know, and with, with you, his uh, wife, you're being you're being facetious. I hope with his wife being of Iranian descent, I can't imagine that anybody. Yeah, they wouldn't bring that Lu- up. Either. Wouldn't bring that up either. Sure, I don't think it. And definitely, I would assume to your point, like there's just terrible people no matter where you look in the Awful world. Everywhere, people. you're right. But to the point, it's, I mean, it's not. It's not like it's a, a St. Louis no. exclusive or specialty. I think at this point, it may have just been a discussion of they're just tired of dealing with it and they have other things to focus on. And there they, is they, no positive return with them being yeah, on Twitter. That's not, none. There's not. They get nothing but, out of. But it. But I mean, like I know, I I want to say that he has some kind of charity thing coming up because I remember I retweeted. He it did. was that. It's the the hats thing. That's it. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, there's hats for bats. Yes. So I mean, there is a way. Like if you have a, a charitable cause that you're wanting to promote, that's a yeah. good way to do it. But you're right. I mean, especially a professional athlete, all you're going to do is get a bunch of you know uh, couch warriors who have never accomplished a damn thing in their entire life. It's awful. You know, just basically telling you how they think, how you're playing, how mm-hmm. awful you are, even mm-hmm. though you've been more successful at your job than they ever have been mm-hmm. in anything in their life. There used to be a social media platform just for celebrities. And I can't think of what it was called. Do you remember what it was called? No. I don't. I don't. I would have gotten the invite, so <laughs> well, I, I call mean, bullshit. I mean, yeah. I would have too. <laughs> Friendster, maybe? No, was it Friendster? No, it wasn't Friendster. It's just interesting to me how much social media impacts the current landscape of professional sports. I mean, across the board. You look well, at just life in general. Right. I mean, you look at what's happened with, you know, this whole Philadelphia Sixers situation with Colangelo, you know, that becoming a thing. The guy lost his job. Yes, he did. did. Over social media. Whereas 10 and years ago, that never happens. N- never happens. But right? I mean, look at uh, Roseanne Barr. Same. Yeah. yeah same, she, she, same. Tweets, she tweets out something racist and disgusting. Right. And a few hours later, her show's Loses gone. Millions of dollars. Yeah. And not only is her show gone, but she affected the lives of all the other actors that right. are involved with that show. Yep. All the, you know, uh, people don't realize, like, when it comes to TV shows and movies, it's not just the actors that right. are affected by it. You no. have behind-the-scenes people that are affected by it, carpenters, yep. uh, caterers, seamstresses, makeup artists. I mean, it's a whole big production. There's lots of money that people depend on yeah. when it comes to these things. Many and people who are, you know, living job to job, especially yeah. in that L.A. market. Absolutely. I mean, it's easy for us here in the Midwest to kind of like roll our eyes and wave our hand and say it's just a TV show, who cares? Yeah. Because you just see what's on the screen and not realize everything else that affects it, that goes on behind it. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, Twitter has been uh, – Twitter's probably ruined at this point. I think I heard Howard Stern say this, and he's absolutely right. I think Twitter has probably ruined more careers lately than what drugs have. Oh, yeah. For I mean, in terms of actually being published, for sure. Yes. I mean, that, it's kind of crazy no. when you think about it. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. The rise and fall of star athletes. I mean, it's with social media. It's just it's a we could have an entire series of podcasts devoted to that. It's also the fact that when they're either at home or on the road, they don't go out either. They hardly they might go out to dinner, but they don't go out to clubs because oh, of of course. There's, there's now there's cameras. Everybody's got Every, a camera. It, people are still going out. People are <laughs> still going not out. A, not as much as they used to. They're probably I would say to a degree. You're right. Yeah. They're probably still going out, but they're probably they're they're probably getting the VIP roped hmm. off area. Yeah. And then everybody tries to do their best to stay in their shoes. Yeah. Well, I, when I was at school at Mizzou, it was even like that for college athletes. Like college athletes were. Especially, I imagine mean, college I mean, is even worse. Unless you're Matty Mock, you're you know doing coke off the urinal allegedly in whatever bar you can find, but. I, I don't know. It's just it's crazy how much social media has just really impacted how professional and you know collegiate athletes act. It's called who say who say W H O S A Y is the celebrity social media app. Cele- yep, and normal people can't join it, 
But what they can do is they can, but they allow media outlets to be members. Okay. To where a media member can can follow their tweets and then and then write stories about whatever they do. So yeah. But like, I mean, if you're a celebrity, though, I mean, you're not. Why on. Why do you really need who say though? You just you know text whoever right. you want to text. That would be the life, just to be that popular to where you can just text. Like hey, John, John Mayer, what's well, up? Well, okay, but I mean, like, what it is? Like, you would text your publicist or your agent, right? And they would text, you know, whoever you like, John Mayer's publicist or agent, right. and they would get a hold of John Mayer. Yeah, my buddy in New York met John Mayer at a party and said he's cool as hell. I have no doubt. Said he was no cool doubt. as hell. He said they were uh, they were up till like two o'clock in the morning getting hammered and talking about Berkeley because they both went to Berkeley School of Music in Boston. God. Yeah, pretty cool. Rough life. Um. So, yeah, the St. Louis Cardinals right now, not exactly a fun topic to talk about here in St. Louis. No bueno. Uh, no bueno at all. It's going to be interesting to see what happens over the next couple weeks. If they you know, if they get swept tonight and that leads to losing the series or being swept by the, you know, the, the Phillies and the Brewers and the Indians and the Braves, yeah. then, yeah, I think you're going to see probably Mabry fired. Some change. Uh, you're going to see change. They're never going to get rid of Okendo. Yeah. Why do that? You're just going to piss off uh, the locker room that wanted him back. Yeah. You are not going to – I mean, why would you get rid of Willie McGee? I mean, could you imagine seeing that that headline in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch? Yeah. Cardinals yeah. fire Willie McGee. I mean, they'd burn down Bush Stadium before that would happen. So they're not yeah. going to fire Mike Maddox either. They just signed him. They just signed him, and, yeah. it's, and, and pitching's not the problem. No. They're, they're not hitting. Right. So you got to fire the hitting coach. You need yeah. to fire John Mabry. I'm not saying it's all his fault, but damn it, man, you can't fire the you can't fire the players. Yeah. I mean, you can, but you, you can. It costs, okay, but, it, it costs okay, but, a lot more. <laughs> but okay, but what, okay, what's the constant from last year to this year? What's the who's the constant? John Mabry. John Mabry. Yeah. There's your constant. You got to get rid of him and bring in somebody else. I remember the Cardinals used to fire hitting coaches left and right. What was that stat the other day that the Cardinals went almost 100 plate appearances without taking a walk? Yeah, like that. That's on the coach. Like, there's got to be some type of individual instructions that say, "Hey, get deeper in counts, take pitches." Like. That that's a coach stat right there. When when I still had that five ninety show, I had Richard Justice on from MLB.com. And he was talking about how it, I think it might have been Khalil Green or, or one of the shortstops that the Cardinals had. Mm-hmm. And he booted a play in the field. Mm-hmm. And when he got to the dugout, Tony LaRusso let him have it. And then Jose Okendo let him have it. And then Albert Pools let him have it. And he goes, I don't think that's happening now. Not at all. In the, in the Cardinals dugout. I don't see a lot of actual... I mean, I, I feel from a certain level, the Cardinals players respect Mike Matheny. I think there's a surface level of respect. But beyond that, it's that old guard versus new guard mentality that we've gone at a thousand and different times. I, I think Mike Matheny is too worried about being their buddy and being yeah. their friend and wanting to be the, the quote-unquote players yeah. manager yeah. and not being the ass-kicking manager who's going to go in there and get in somebody's yeah. face and, and flip over tables because that's what they probably need there's just zero accountability from i mean from a front office standpoint right now from a managerial standpoint no one's grabbing somebody by by the throat and saying you know pick your shit up you know let's go that's that's what's gotta that's what's gotta gotta happen happen. that's what's gotta happen if this team is going to get where they want to be yeah otherwise it's going to be the same lingering stale fart that we smelled in Mm -hmm. 2016 and we smelled it last year and it's starting to smell awful awfully familiar this year uh joining us here on the phone is going to be kurt rowey he's the executive director of the metropolitan amateur golf association we're going to talk to him next about the 2018 u.s open
We are joined by Kurt Rowe of the uh, Metropolitan Amateur Golf Association. He is the executive director. You can follow him on Twitter at CJRSLU2K. That's a hell of a handle there, Kurt. He is also the man responsible for scarring my right thumb in a high school baseball game because he was threatened by my power. Uh, Kurt Rowe joins us. Kurt, how are you, sir? I'm great. I'm great, Matt. Thanks. How are you guys? Doing fantastic. Uh, Brooks Kepka. Uh, you know, wins the 2018 U.S. Open, the first back-to-back champion since Curtis Strange in 1988 and 1989. That's a pretty crazy stat. And he was the first one in like a forever, too, because... Since 1951-52 when yeah, Ben Hogan did it. Because yeah. they, they show like... They, they kept making the point about how Curtis Strange's picture was the only one that was in color. I saw that. Everybody else, they all looked like uh, casualties from the Titanic sinking. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, congratulations to, to uh, Brooks Kepka. Do you, be- or do you agree with Joe Buck when he said that Brooks Kepka is the poster boy for how the game of golf is being played now because of the power off the tee and the, and the touch on the greens. Uh, wow. Wow. I didn't, I didn't hear that, but, uh, um, that's, that's an interesting, uh, interesting take. I thought it was um, an, I thought it was a hot take too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry. I did. I didn't hear that today, guys. I, like I said, I, I told Matt, I, I really didn't, I, I really haven't watched a whole lot of, uh, of the open over the weekend, but, um, you know what? I, I think if you look back at you know last year and this year, and I was listening driving driving home um, to his interview, you know, and he he won in, in really two completely opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, I mean, we won at Aaron Hills by shooting 16 under because he was long. He's a very powerful player, and then he wins on a you know a golf course at Shinnecock Hills at plus one, where it, it took that that touch and and you know fine you know, short game play and putting, um, this year. So, uh, you know, that's, that's an interesting, interesting take, but you know, it's, it's really two really different wins and to do it back and back is, is back to back is pretty amazing in my view. Uh, there was a lot of talk yesterday about the USGA losing the course. And I had to text, uh, our good buddy, Jay Randolph jr. To NBA, Cause I had never really heard that term before. Yeah. And I was wondering, you know, what they meant by losing the course, and he said making it unfair and unplayable. Now, in, in in my in my eyes, the U.S. Open should be the most difficult test. And I, you brought up the point that that Kepko uh, won minus sixteen last year was plus one this year. I mean, it, it should be the hardest test of the entire golf season. It, it, it without a doubt, maybe maybe the Open uh, over across the across the pond should be a little bit more difficult. Do you think some of the players were overreacting to losing the course? And has has MAGA ever lost a course during during, during one of your championships? <laughs> uh, well, no, I can honestly say no, we haven't because you know we're, we we're very. Uh, I mean, we. I, I don't want to say that was tongue in cheek. That was tongue in cheek. Listen, the, the the couple guys that I heard speak about the golf course, um, you know, the, the the USGA doesn't. I mean, my background is USGA. I just want to. I want to get that out there. I mean, that's who I've, I've worked for the Metropolitan Golf Association and we are a USG, you know, association. That's our affiliation. We run USG qualifiers here in the St. Louis area. Um, I agree. It should be the toughest, the toughest and, and, uh, and the toughest test, you know, of, of the four majors. And it's not only golf course, but you know, they're, they're trying to, um, uh, it's, it's mentally tough. It's a phys- physically, it's exhausting. And they bring it all all together. From what I saw yesterday, you know, I they 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 probably did, uh, you know, they they 
they got they did they did get burnt a little bit, I would say. Um, and you know, and I, I saw some quotes by Mike Davis, the CEO um, of the USGA, and you know, he kind of admitted to it. You know, they they did there were some whole locations out there that. Um, you know, got away from them in the afternoon because of, uh, you know, wind conditions or, or whatever. And the greens got, you know, out of hand. I don't know if they got out of hand like in 2004 um, where they, you know, they were out there syringing greens between groups because, you know, they had because they got that out of hand. But um, but yes, I mean, it, they 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 do push the limits. And, um, you know, I, I from what I've seen today, it looks like they got it back you know, got it back right. I mean, there were some really good scores today. Obviously, Tommy Fleetwood shot, you know, 63 to tie low round ever in the U.S. Open. So, um, so that's, I guess that's my, uh, my quick take what, on. What Tommy. went on overnight that they, what, what, what kind of decisions did they make um, overnight to, about what they were going to do with the golf course today to make it a little bit easier? And like you just mentioned, you know, here you have Tommy Fleetwood shooting 63, missed 62 by about, three inches, if that. Yeah. I think he uh, kind of lipped out there on 18. So what did they, what did they do overnight? What, kind of, what, 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 what was said in those meetings and what happened for a little bit behind the scenes? Well, I mean, there's a lot of things. There's a couple of things they could do. You know, it's all on the superintendent on the maintenance side and the agronomic side. And that's, you know, they applied water, you know, overnight. They, you know, they, they gave golf course some, some water. Um, whereas, the, you know, the nights before, you know, they got some rain earlier in the week, so they didn't have to. And, you know, now the thing is, it's so precise now. And, you know, these the superintendents, I mean, even superintendents here in St. Louis, I mean, they, they've got these moisture meters and these devices where they, they, they go around the green and they, they, put it, they put this device into the green and it tells them, you know, exactly how much the moisture content it is in the, in the greens. So the, 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 the technology is so um, advanced now for these guys. That's the part that is somewhat... Uh, I guess disconcerting to me is that they, you know, they have that technology and they, they, you know, they, they still kind of let it go on, on, um, you know, going into Saturday, but other things like, you know, a lot of times in these major championships, I mean, they're mowing and rolling, you know, in the morning, did you a lot of times you see, they're doing the same thing at night, you know, they'll mow the greens and roll, them, you know, after plays over, you know, maybe they didn't do that last night. I, you know, I don't know. Um, but those would be the two big things, you know, it's what it's, it's the, the mowing practice and whether maybe they just went out and mow, you know, mowed them one time instead of double mowing and rolling or, you know, the amount of water that they put on the, on the golf course, uh, you know, last night, uh, going in into today, that would have, that would have made that, uh, that, that effect. Kurt, you brought him up, uh, Tommy Fleetwood. I don't know what's going through his mind right out. By the way, he's got the best hair on tour. I don't know if you guys seen a picture. <laughs> hair and beard. He's like oh, a young Mick Fleetwood. I mean, he just looks just like. A rock star out yeah, there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Kurt, Tommy Fleetwood comes out Friday, shoots a 66, probably feeling really good, you know, not so great Saturday, but then turns around and shoots a 63 today. Um, to me, is it a case of, man, we just have a group of, you know, whiny babies, and, you know, because he did shoot so well on Friday. So it, to me, there's a group of whiny babies and the group of, you know, people that just came out and performed. Is there anything to that? Um. Well, I, I completely agree. I mean, I think there are there are a group of, of, of whiny babies, um, you know, on the tour, um, and then there are, and then there are, there's the guys who just embrace what the U.S. Open is about. And I think for the most part, most of these guys, especially the ones you saw on the weekend, um, they endured it, and you know they got they got to a weekend um, of a major, which is a which is a you know great accomplishment. Um, 
you know, Fleet, Tommy's, I don't know a whole lot about Tommy Fleetwood, except for he's, I know he's been playing really well and he's just kind of come on in the last, uh, you know, maybe 18 months or, you know, two, two years. Um, it's somebody we're going to see in the future. And, you know, he went out early this earlier today. I, I don't know what his tea time exactly was, but I know he was out early and he finished and posted that plus two, you know, long before the leaders were, um, you know, long before the leaders were, uh, finishing up or even something, you know, he might've been finished before. Yeah, He, he uh, was waiting around, off. I believe he was, I mean, he's waiting around for a long time. So, you know, so and that's another thing, you know, the early on the golf course is definitely, you know, a little more gettable. I mean, the, the greens are smoother, you know, they're, they, they don't get quite as bumpy. And that's the thing with these greens, they're POA. There's a lot of POA in these greens. And as the day goes on, uh, that POA, um, type turf will get bumpy, yeah, they're like they're like little spikes that pop up. Exactly, and, and they even, and they'll and they'll send the ball in nine different directions. Exactly, and even today with you know none of these guys are wearing metal spikes anymore; they're using soft spikes. But even that, it doesn't matter. I mean, they'll they'll just it, the the greens get uh, get rougher. So he got the best, probably the best conditions because he goes he's out there early, and that that certainly helped. But you know, regardless of that, you still got to put you still got to put the ball in the hole. Yep. And he did it in 63 shots today better than anybody else and tied a low record for a U.S. Open. So that's 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 still pretty amazing. Uh, Kurt, Patrick Reed coming off a big win at the Masters. There was talk early on that, you know, he may be in play, you know, for another major. Um, be one of the few people, I think, to start the year off one of the first two majors. Um, yeah. Is that too – were the expectations too high for him this weekend? Is that something that – you know, is Patrick Reed really just a, a one major kind of guy, and or is you know, can we expect a run at any point? No, I don't think he's a one major. I mean, he's a very he's a talented, talented, very talented player. Um, he, he certainly approved you know proved that at Augusta this year. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm looking at you have to do the leaderboard. I'm looking at the scores. I mean, he was pretty consistent: 73, 72, 71, and then throws a 68. So, uh, you know, he didn't he didn't have that up and down week. I mean, he was pretty much right there, you know, a whole way and you know, a couple of shots here and there over four days, he's, you know, we could be sitting here talking about him as the U S open champ, but he's a very talented, talented player. And he's a, you know, a little different, different guy from what, you know, probably what you remember hearing from back in Augusta. But, uh, I don't, I, I wouldn't doubt if we'd you know see him again, uh, you know, either this year or certainly in the future. Yeah. Kurt, I don't, I don't get the hate for Patrick Reed. I, I post, I, I tweeted no, about no. it, put it on Facebook. I mean, I, I, I love the way he plays golf. I love the intensity. I, I love his yep. focus. I love everything about the way the guy plays golf. And people are saying that he, that he wasn't a very desirable Masters champion because, you know, he's not part of the cool kids group, which, you know, it's it's kind of well documented that allegedly Justin Thomas is kind of a jerk too, and he's part of the cool kids group. Right. Yeah, that's – yeah, that – good good point. Uh, yeah, I don't have – I certainly don't have any hate for Patrick here. I love his intensity. I mean, when you saw it in the Ryder Cup, you know, last year, I mean, he's he's kind of the – you know, I think he was kind of the rah-rah guy in the, you know, in the clubhouse. Even though, when you hear, you know, after the Masters, you heard, you know, a lot of guys like we really don't know the guy, um, but and he certainly uh, got the crowds fired up, uh, you know, at the Ryder Cup last year. So, um, again, a lot of talent, and uh, I think we'll we'll see more of them soon. Kurt Rowey, the executive director of the Metropolitan Amateur Golf Association, joining us right now. Uh, Kurt, let's talk about it. You and I were texting a little bit about it yesterday. Phil Mickelson and his breakdown on the thirteenth oh. hole. Um, now, no, no, okay. it, was, it was a strategy. Well, okay, <laughs> it was a like, strategy. What, when I saw it, I'm like, well, I'm like, what the hell is he doing? This is like something I would do because I'm just ignorant about the rules of golf. 
He but just, he tried to go for the one time. It was kind of like, hey, That's stop it. that. Yeah. <laughs> stop that. Okay. But, I mean, but people were acting like he took out his five iron and smashed the Ten Commandments. Uh, there was oh, somebody. He, he broke a big cardinal rule and should have been disqualified. There, there was somebody who, uh, <laughs> I, I forgot who it was. It was a British golfer. And he goes, well, you know, in England, we'd call him an ass. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I saw I, that guy. Okay, who was that? I mean, I he mean, was a writer for uh, for an, an English newspaper. Is that who he yeah. was? Okay, maybe I was just too distracted by Holly Saunders and I couldn't remember what his name was. Right? But uh, I'm like, isn't this a little harsh for no. Phil Mickelson? I mean, someone who has won majors and it's a gentleman's game. I I guess, but my God, man, I mean, was did you think there was an overreaction to this, or 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 were they, or was he treated fairly in your opinion? No, I, I, I mean, under the rules of golf, he was treated fairly. I mean, that's that's the way the rules are. And in fact, I, I, I mean, I even got a statement from the USGA today. It came out to all the golf associations, um, a statement about what happened, um, both in the course setup and the and the ruling clarification. And I, I, I agree with the ruling. I, I think it, Phil did too. I don't think Phil even objected to the ruling. They're like, this is the ruling. And he said, okay, and that was it. No, I mean, I think he knew exactly what he was doing, and that's what he said. Um, I mean, I've, yeah, I've read a lot of tweets and stuff about, oh, he should have been DQ'd, but that's, that's just not the case. I mean, under the rules, the rules were applied as they should have been. And, but it, it just, it looked bad. You don't feel, it did look bad, but it looked bad for Phil. You don't feel, Kurt, you don't, you don't feel the feel, feel that Phil, uh, I feel that, that he, uh, inter, uh, he he broke the spirit of the game and and and, and broke the spirit of the rule. I mean, double hitting the ball is 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 that the rule they applied was double hitting the ball or what? What rule did they apply? They uh, it's fourteen five in is the actual rule and that's okay. playing a playing a moving ball. That's what he did and he made it. And if you look at the video, and a lot of people are going back to rule one two, which yeah. is a um, that's that's an uh, an exerting influence on a, on a on a moving ball. Right. But on 14-5 is playing moving ball where you actually made a stroke at it. And he did. I mean, he, you know, he runs around and he kind of gets up to it and he sets, you know, he sets up behind it and then makes a stroke at it, you know, and then, you know, that you see, you've probably seen the video of John Daly in 99 and Pinehurst who kind of did the same thing. He puts the ball up and it comes rolling back. Well, Daly's just walking up to the ball and he's kind of, he just does one, he kind of a polo swing and knocks it, you know, 40 yards down the fairway across the green. I mean, he was just, he was just pissed. And, um, you know, so I, there's there's two different there's really two different situations there, in my opinion. And and again, I think, you know, the, the rules are applied right. It doesn't look good for Phil. Um, I don't I, I mean, I certainly don't agree with it. I, I do agree. It it, it does kind of, um, you know, the spirit of the you know, spirit of the game and and all that that part I, I, I don't like. But. Um, you know, as far as the way the the ruling was handled, I I agree with the way you would, the ruling it, was handled. If that would have happened in one of your tournaments, you would have ruled the exact same way, or would you have DQ'd the guy? No, I think we'd rule the exact same way. Okay. I don't see how you I don't see how you disqualify a guy. You know, I'll stand down. I'll no. stand down. <laughs> yeah, well, you thing. wanted him ran out of the you, sport. You were personally offended by the putt today. I was. I was. Uh, like I said. He, Grit, he's out of it. He wasn't going to yeah. win anything. And I, I think he was kind of pissed, too, there because was, yeah. he was out of there it. There has to be some frustration. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely was a frustration. And this, oh, yeah. I think this is the one major that he hasn't won, correct? The U.S. Open is, is the correct. one major yep. that he hasn't won yet. Yep. So, yeah. That's correct. And Six-time runner-up. <laughs> wow. Which is unbelievable you think that was, You think that was crossing his mind as he was moving, going to punt that moving ball? <laughs> I hate I'm this. Kidding. I hate this bleeping tournament. Uh, every bleeping time, it's the always the bridesmaid, never a bride. Ugh. No, I mean, I get it. I do. Yeah. I get it. No, I'll stand. I'll stand down. I'll, if if you think that if, that they did it right, then I'll I'll stand down. 
Yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's I'll take your expertise over it. So, well, that, yeah, that's that's my take. And that's even, cool. That's and uh, like I said, I even even reading the, uh, you know, the the statement that they sent to us today because that's because you know we we get a lot of these questions and then and it was appropriate because I knew I was coming on with you guys this evening. And uh, so I, you know, knew this was probably going to come he, up. So he was, geared up. It was yeah. good to get that. I love yeah. the preparation. We like show prep. We like show <laughs> Cause, prep because we do show. next. We do next to the no. Night. No, 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 no. We much. we do show prep for hours, yeah. <laughs> hours and hours. To the general public, yes, we work really, really hard to put this together. Kurt, when you see oh. these, Kurt, when you see these scores, you know Brooks Kepka winning it with one over, and then Tommy Fleetwood two, uh, two over, Dustin Johnson three over, Patrick Reed four over. Um, you know, aesthetically, when you're watching golf, uh, I'm not talking about someone who is, you know, involved with the USGA and the Metropolitan Amateur Golf Association, but just as, as a golf fan, do you find like watching golf that reduces these scores aesthetically pleasing to watch, or do you like seeing, you know, uh, all the birdies and the eagles and, and you know the, the fantastic drives and, and, the, and the great putting? Do you rather watch that, or would you rather watch them play like mortals? Well, I think it's two different. I think it's two different. Week in, week out on the PGA Tour, I, I think it's great because that's that's what that's what they do, and that's why the fans, you know, they come out and they, they want to see this. There's four weeks of the year where they play four majors, and I think they need to they should be tested for you know those four weeks they should be te- tested, and this happens to be customarily the the hardest of those four weeks. Um, so the, the scores doesn't bother me, but also the score of 16 under didn't bother me last year at Aaron Hills. Yeah, I mean that that's because you know, the weather didn't work out. They got rain and the golf course was soft and they, they were able to pound it and, you know, fire, you know, Justin Thomas hit a three wood from 320 into 18 last year in Aaron Hills and stuck it to four feet. You know, that would never happen, you know, this week. So the, the score is what it is because it's, it was, it, 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 it came out because of what, how they were able to present the golf course aside from yesterday, which was, you know, just, that was just a bad thing. But otherwise, I have no problem with the score. There's still, there were still great shots and, you know, you know, most people probably don't, I mean, I've seen like Shinnecock Hills, you know, I, I mean, I see, I know all the golf courses in St. Louis. There's no golf course like Shinnecock Hills in this area. And I, and I mean, just from like a green standpoint, I mean, these greens are, you talk about some slope. I mean, there's some severe slope. They're not like any other golf course, you know, that most majority of golfers get to see. Oh, I think, I think, I think Barry Hill is a pretty good comparison to Shinnecock. Do not shit on Barry Hill. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I learned the game. Asshole. <laughs> um, so anyway, that's, you know, the, the score. There, there's still some good scores shot this week. 63, 66 of the 65. Sure. Um, you know, it's, these are the, these are the best players in the world. They, these are the absolute and the talent. I mean, I can even tell you, you know, last week we ran our open championship, which we had 118 pros professionals from around the country play in these guys those guys can play too they're not they're not the tour yet they could be though i mean we've got a couple guys who's won ours in the last couple years who are playing full-time on the pda tour these guys are they're so good oh yeah um i mean it's 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 sickening how good these guys are and uh you know and so they they just got tested and they got tested on one of the on one of the absolute hardest golf courses in the country. And it's hard for, you know, it's, can you imagine being a member and having to go out and play that place every day? I, I can't, but, um, so the, the score doesn't bother me. I mean, it, it could be, like I said, it, it could be one, one over like it ended up, or it could have been 10 under. And I, I, I'd still 
feel the same way. And, and so. Kurt, you, Kurt, you brought it up. You mentioned uh, golf courses in the St. Louis area, and you mentioned the putting greens, and that was kind of a, a big touching point with some of the players about the but the the putting greens and the PGA Championship going to be here at Bell Reeve August 9th through the twelfth, and there was concern about the greens. There at Bell Reeve, if you're you allegedly, know, allegedly, allegedly, it, it, yeah. okay, if, if you're the uh, the green the head greenskeeper at Bell Reeve, and you're hearing this, are you kind of like, all right, fellas, we got to make sure that our putting greens are just pristine and perfect? Uh, do does like a thought like that enter their mind, or are they just like, you know, we're confident that we're going to put on a great tournament and a great venue? Well, I'm sure they're they're confident that they're going to put on a great a great championship. Um, you know what? I'm. I, I have not been to Bell Reeve, you know, this year, um, so I, you know, I'm, I, I cannot comment on. I, I, I've heard the same thing you guys have heard, so that that's really my uh, as far as I can go about, you know, Bell Reeve. I know they're confident they're going to put on a, a great hundredth PGA Championship, and the the maintenance crew over there is, you know, they're 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 very good. Um, you know, they get a lot of and they're getting a lot of help from the PGA, just like the maintenance crew at Shinnecock this week. Is you know they're bringing in the, the some of the top agronomists in the country that are employed by the USGA. The PGA has the same thing. They're bringing guys in you know to help them um, along the way. So uh, you know it's a different. It, it is a different. It's a different animal here in the Midwest. I mean, St. Louis is one of the hardest in this region. We're right on that transition zone, and all of our you know our putting greens here in, in the in the St. Louis area are bent grass greens. Unlike what you saw at Shinnecock, where um, there's a lot of POA, um, and it's, it's this is one of the hardest places in the country to, to grow bent grass, and especially come August when it's you know probably going to be what's going to be you know in the 90s and high humidity and and that that's a it's, it's considered a cool season grass. Well, that's not that's definitely not the cool mm-hmm. season. So um, it's it's tough. And uh, I mean, I, I'm very good friends with a lot of superintendents, a lot of guys who came down from uh, Iowa State, which is a great turf school, and they interned here in St. Louis. That's how I knew them years ago at, at, out at Boone Valley when I worked out there. And they sent them down here to intern. I was like, if you can grow bent grass down in St. Louis, you can you can grow grass anywhere in the country. So, um, you know, they're uh, so anyway. I I mean, I, Bell Reeve, I think is it, they're you know they're it, it's going to be a phenomenal. I hope it's going to be a phenomenal week. You know, for for golf in St. Louis, so just and uh, real quick, your thoughts on uh, relatively unknown player, but kind of became a local celeb this week oh, yeah. was Chris Nagel, yeah. who uh, actually Absolutely. made the made the cut of the open with with the great Michael Wellington on the bag. Uh, I know he, them both. I know them both yeah, well. I, I know Mike. I, I don't know. I've never met Chris before. Uh, just general thoughts on on that on, on web.com players. You know, just kind of the openness of the U.S. Open and how a guy like Chris Nagel can go out and make the cut at the Open and and come home with some cash in his pocket. Yeah. Well, I mean, Chris is a great. I've known Chris for a long time, and he you know he grew up playing his amateur stuff, and uh, you know in in our events, you know, back as an amateur and a collegiate player, he played at Missouri Baptist. Um, and then, you know, has now been, you know, been out there trying to, uh, to work the, you know, work it and make it on, on the web.com. He's had some success there with full-time status and, and, uh, just what a great story. I mean, the opportunity to go play the U S open, but how he did it, I'm sure you guys know the story. Yep. You know, he basically went birdie, birdie, par, birdie, Eagle to get into a playoff to, for the final spot. And then birdies, the, the playoff hole to go to the U S open and, you know, with, and with Michael on the bag, it was going uh, to gonna quit a month ago. Yeah, he was going to fill exactly. out his fill out his travel obligations and say that's it, I'm done. Right, and uh, you know he's got I mean, he's got two young boys at home, and you know his wife is here in St. Louis, and 
And, uh, you know, I've been, you know, I follow them on social media and I think they were all out there with him. His parents were out there. I've seen pictures and, and, uh, couldn't happen to a better guy. Chris is a, he's a, he's a really good, really good guy. And, and, uh, I, I couldn't be happier for him. Um, you know, hopefully this, uh, I know he's, you know, he's, he's in the rest of the web.com events for the rest of the year. So, uh, you know, he, hopefully, he, you know, keep it going and use this as some momentum. Um, going forward the rest of the year does he get a so, pga tour exemption for uh, the way he finished at the open no the no. only no the only way uh the only way well and i'm not even sure if he would have won because he's not a pga tour member right so even if he would have won i'm not sure he would have got a pga i don't know I don't i'm sure know he would exactly have been invited that. everywhere if he would have won <laughs> oh yeah exactly well he, he would have got a 10-year exemption in the open you know yeah that, he'd, be, he'd be set for 10 years you know because you know that's a big story you know this is tiger's last this was his last. This was his. This is year number ten for him. Oh yeah, exemption wise. Oh wow. So I don't know. If, you know, I, I can't imagine we're going to see him at local qualifying next year. But um, so you know exactly how that works. But uh, um, so no. But uh, yeah, it, it, I mean him making the the cut and everything. And yeah, he should get a. I haven't looked to see what the payout was, but I'm sure it's a, you know, pretty nice, pretty nice pickup this week for uh, for a week's work, week, week's work. Kurt, we appreciate your time this evening, sir, and your insights uh, as always. Uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend, and uh, we look forward to talking golf again with you soon. We have the British Open and the PGA Championship coming up. Anytime, Matt. I always enjoy. Thanks for uh, giving me the call and the opportunity to come on with you guys. And I, you know, I love the podcast. I, I tweet about it. I know you see that, Matt. Oh wow! Oh, yeah, he's and, he's uh, he's, he's, a, he's a big fan of our podcast. Absolutely, I mean, guys, he is. Hey, shout out to Mega a couple weeks ago, and I, I was all over it. You, I, you, I thought that was awesome. I you know I always <laughs> so. do. I always do. I every time I'm talking about golf, I always have to bring you up. Either when I'm talking about uh, golf or visible scars, I have to bring up Kurt Rowe. That's right. That's right. <laughs> We've always got that connection. We will so, always have that connection. Guys, appreciate it. You're welcome, yeah. Kurt. Have a great night. That All is right, Kurt Rowe. He is the executive director of the Metropolitan Amateur Golf Association. You can follow him on Twitter at CJRSLU2K. Uh, we're going to talk to Lindsay Eversmeyer. She is the general manager, uh, owner of the Fire and Ice SC. They have a doubleheader coming up here next weekend that she wants to talk about. Very important. And she's going to be joining us right now. You're listening to the Last Man Up podcast, part of the St. Louis Podcast Network. Matt Berger, Clay Byersdorfer, and Andy Hanselman alongside. We are now joined by Lindsay Eversmeyer. She's the general manager and owner of the Fire and Ice SC, defending champions of the 2017 WPSL National Champions. You could follow her on Twitter at fire underscore and underscore ice underscore SC. Lindsay, I thought we were going to work on that, wow. and you haven't yeah. done. You haven't worked on it since the last time I talked to you. That Twitter handle is God. Not awful. You're never going to get any followers with that long of a Twitter handle and that many underscores. But happy to have you back on the phone with us. <laughs> Lindsay Eversmeyer, how are you? I am fantastic. Thanks for having me. Always great to be on the show with you guys. Yeah. De defending champion. How good does that sound? Is that like you just probably can't hear that enough? Defending WPSL champion. I know. I don't necessarily know if it still hit me or not. You know, I keep like replaying in my head. Like, I can't. Did we really just win this thing? I think we did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Every time, like, you should hire, like, Michael Buffer to do, like, you know, the whole thing, you know, the undisputed, uh, undefeated, yes. you know, oh, world, no, Paul, you know, no, Paul Heyman. Two-time, three-time, three-time world champion, just to get it, like, you should play that before every single one of your games. Is there any way that you can arrange that? Do you have an extra $250,000? Really 
Anybody <laughs> can say that, and I would love it. Doesn't matter who it is. I'll lend my voice to it. <laughs> there I, we go. Andy Hanselman can do that. The season is, you know, four weeks in, and you are three zero and one. How is this season compared to the season before? It's good. I mean, we have some really competitive teams that we're playing against. Um, I mean, it's it's good. Mentality is the same of my girls. I can tell you that much. They still want to be. Um, no team has ever won a back-to-back national championship in the in the WPSL. So that's like their goal. They want to win a back-to-back and be the first team to do it. So mentality is the same. We got same amount of talent on the team. So yeah, everything is is going the right direction so far. So so far, no disease of me has taken over. Like everybody, like no, <laughs> no. there's no complacency. They still want to win. That's great. That's right. They still want to win. Right now, um, like I just told you earlier, we're on a 20 game undefeated streak since. 2016 so i don't want to jinx myself but that sounds pretty good so i just learned two things looking at this website one the assistant coach i'm pretty sure i went to high school with jarius holmes uh o'fallon alumni and i was also i was also unaware that they played at altoff catholic high school which is five minutes from my house okay so you have no excuse to not go no excuse no excuse to to not go to any of these games i feel so enlightened right now looking at this that i've been missing (laughs) fire and ice i'm gonna tell tell the masses to come to the fire and ice games and that's better let me tell you and now we're serving beer oh oh well you're serving beer you're serving beer at a catholic high school imagine that wow yeah i know right fire and ice games is a new happening spot I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's the place to be. Spread like the beer, word. women, athletic women. Wow. You want. You're, you're speaking my language. Yeah, right I now. mean, like you, you should see. You can't see him right now, but uh, uh, there's but, a little but, color coming in yeah, back into my face. Clay is oh, Clay tell. is fanning himself right now. He is becoming a little overclimbed. I I, I got to tell him now is that, is that they actually is that the girls playing boy shorts, and then Clay no. would be oh. there. <laughs> now we're getting away from the point. Yeah, okay. Hanselman's always got to go too far. Oh, you know I'm so that? sorry. Hanselman always line. goes too far. Jumped over the line. She's the one who said women and beer. <laughs> yeah, but that was fine. You didn't, we don't talk about their outfits, but no, that's great. That um, uh, sorry, Lindsay. I, this is uh, so that's close, okay. so close to my house, and that there's alcohol involved. So I'm definitely sign me up for fire and ice. Now, really? now I didn't know really you drank. Complain. You did yeah, well. Our last home game is, due, is this Saturday, so that's the last chance we get. What what time is the game? The game's at seven fifteen, and oh. it's a double header. So the St. Louis Ambush and St. Louis Marita oh. are playing at five o'clock. Um, and then we play at 7.15, but there's going to be all types of things going on. There's going to be inflatables and face painting and all types of fun stuff. I'm so going to get my face painted and come to Fire and Ice. So this hey, is... the girls are face painting, so oh. it's a good opportunity to strike up a conversation <laughs> with one of them. We're going to be talking about Clay's wedding in the next podcast. We're going to talk about his, about his pinning nuptials. Uh. Uh, now, this uh, Lindsay, this is all going down at the Altoff uh, Catholic High School in Belleville, Illinois, do Bel- I have that correct? You have correct. Belleville, right? Okay, yep. and that you said that it starts at five o'clock. Uh, that is the St. Louis Ambush game. Yeah, that's the Ambush game. But if you buy your tickets online, we're also hosting a free clinic for the kids starting at four o'clock. So the prepaid tickets through stlambush.com or stlambush.com are ten dollars, or you pay twelve dollars at the gate. Okay, so it's either ten dollars at stlambush.com or twelve dollars at the gate. Yep. Okay. Outstanding. Have you been watching any of the World Cup? The World Cup started on Thursday. Mm. Uh, the U.S. men's national team not involved, but there's still plenty of big names that are playing. Cristiano Ronaldo, my my identical twin, uh, yeah. Lionel Messi, and um, uh, the 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 guy from Brazil. His name escapes me right now. Uh, Neymar. Pele. Neymar. 
No. No. Neymar, I'm teasing. Neymar. Neymar, yeah. thank no. you. Yeah, I've been watching all of them, actually. I've been glued to them on the TV. I mean, there's three games a day, so I get on there. I've got them all recorded. There's been some pretty big upsets, I'll tell you. Mexico yeah. and Germany today. Yes, huge. absolutely. Oh, I was yeah. yeah, Germany. I can't believe they, they lost one nothing. Um I mean, it was, yeah. And then Argentina tied it, you know, Iceland. It was nuts. It's been nuts. I, I watched the uh, the Mexico-Germany game this morning, and uh, the, the Germans just looked like they really couldn't catch any kind of breaks. Uh, all their shots were, they looked like they were great kicks. They were just maybe, a, a, you know, maybe a, a foot and a half off mark. Uh, yeah. From being an equalizer, and it's uh, and Mexico, they just did a great job of always applying the pressure and, oh, and, yeah. and keeping uh, the Germans on their toes. So it was, it was a great match to watch. That was a great watch. That was super super exciting. So was the Portugal Spain game. I mean, that was like that was a nail biter for sure. I mean, Cristiano Ronaldo had a hat trick, scored that that free kick right outside the box to tie it up. Uh, right at the end of the game. I mean, it was. There's been some really good games on. It's exciting to watch. I mean, it's unfortunate that the U.S. is not in it. I was it, just going to ask that. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate, but I mean, is what it is. That's I feel so much yeah. less interested in the World Cup since the U.S. isn't participating. I, don't, oh. I mean, I think they're great games, but man, my uh, patriotism I'm... is an all-time low right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that being a soccer fan. Even though they're not in it, like I said, it's disappointing. But I'm still gonna watch. Sure. I'm still glued to it because I'm a freak about soccer, so I love watching it. And as a coach, I pick stuff up from the games just by watching them. No doubt. That that was gonna be my next question. Is there anything that you can watch that you could carry over and, and teach your girls? Uh, yeah, absolutely. What what's yeah. what? Okay, like let's say the game this morning. What did you pick up between the, the match between the Germans and the Mexicans? Well, hey, I think I picked up that no matter how much you dominate in the offensive third, if you don't finish your chances and create good opportunities and you're not going to (laughs) win. I mean, it was pretty sad, but um, I mean, just just, the men's game and the women's game are played totally different because the men can cover just so much more ground than women. So tactically it's hard, it's hard to compare apples to apples, but I mean, you can pick up little things here and there. So was the game in Mexico? No, it was in Russia. That's right. Yeah, yeah. it was in Russia. For but some I mean, reason, I was just watching clips, and it seemed to be a large Mexican yes, contention there. The, I, the, and I was kind of surprised by that, because me. that that is a long journey from right. Mexico to Russia. But those fans yeah, are crazy. Yeah, but I hear they travel, so... You yeah. know. Uh, apparently they do, yeah. there was. I mean, they were very they were very loud, and they were all wearing green kits, yeah, I, well, and it was at, green in that, in that stadium. I'm looking at these photos, and I'm like, there's no way this game was in Mexico, but no. it sure looks like it was in Mexico. <laughs> it might as well have My been. My goodness. It might as well have been uh, Lindsay Eversmeyer. She is the manager and owner of the Fire and Ice SC. They have a doubleheader this weekend. They take on the KC Courage at the Alth- uh, at the Althoff Catholic High School at seven fifteen. But the Ambush have a game at five o'clock. STLAmbush.com is where you can go and buy ten dollars tickets or twelve dollars at the gate. Uh, Lindsay, final question for the evening: Are you familiar with the game F Mary Kill? Oh wow, here we go. No, what is that? <laughs> okay, I know you're a very happily married woman, but this is just a game and no one ever takes these things seriously oh, but i'm going to give you three names and you have to pick one guy to marry one guy to kill and one guy just to f um, oh my god okay so the, the, the three names i'm going to give you i'm going to give you randall gritchick i know that's your boy Uh oh. okay and the other guy i'm going to give you is cristiano ronaldo because i know you're a soccer fan and i'll give you david beckham as well so there you go you got to oh, pick wow. one to marry one yeah. to kill and that's one a, just and one just to uh, sleep with that's a lot of beautiful hair <laughs> oh, like, I gotta kill some. I gotta uh, kill one of those. One you of gotta those. kill one of them. Yes, mercy kill. Yeah. 
Okay, well, I know this sounds crazy, but I'm going to have to kill Gritchick since he's at least not no longer with the Cardinals anymore. Wow, that's what happens. Axe him off. So yeah, Gritchick's, Gritchick's murdered, okay. okay. And then I got to marry one. Okay, well, then I'm going to say probably Beckham because he just seems like the more, I don't know, and fatherly he's, type. He's got mad money. Yeah, M- mad and I money. guess Ronaldo just to F him just because it'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> That is uh, why I continue quote. to have you. That is continue why I continue to have you on my program. You are always very candid, uh, and I may go out there on Saturday. I don't think I have anything going on Saturday night, so I may Clay, uh, Clay, and I may be crashing uh, your your little uh, get together out there. Yeah, Clay. Yeah. I'm... <laughs> was she waiting for a response? I think she was. I think oh, she was waiting for you, uh, waiting oh, for you to, yeah. to chime in. Hey, it's uh, it's it, it's it's on my calendar in pencil right now. It's it, yeah, I'm I'm writing it down. That. <laughs> Lindsay, thank you so much for uh, for joining us this evening and uh, continue success uh, the rest of this season and defending the uh, the WPSL title. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure to be on your show. I love you guys. Love you too. Thank you, Lindsay. Thanks. Have a good night. All right. Bye. You too. That is Lindsay Eversmeyer. She is the uh, the general manager and the owner of the Fire and Ice SC. You can follow her on Twitter at fire underscore and underscore ice underscore SC. Yeah, that Twitter handle is god awful. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Burger. You can follow Clay on Twitter at Ton of Clayton. And you can follow Andy Hanselman on Twitter at Emo6IMO and the number six. Everybody have a great rest of your day, and we will talk to you on the other side. Have a good night.